0: Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Dave. Dave Sheer to be precise. Okay. How are you doing, Brian? Good. Well I'm Dave, and I'm the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Today, I'm interviewing Brian Dantard. He was the lead singer and bassist for, and is still, I believe, for the hard rock band Tees.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir.
0: And I remember that band.
1: <laughs> My dad used to come to a, a few of our concerts, and he, I said, Dad, what's the best way you'd describe it? He said, Crash Bang Thud.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: My father uh, was a uh, real, really briefly, he was a man to be honored, great man. I, I mean, I sat at his feet and, uh, You know, he didn't climb Mount Everest and go very far in school, but he was a a great father, a great, great example you Know nice. very dedicated, my mother and the family. And between my two brothers, I have two brainiacs like one's a CEO of a medical research company, my other younger brother's a retired teacher, and he taught physics, uh, chemistry, algebra like all the hard yeah. stuff. Yeah, but I love sitting at his feet and listening to all about the depression and the war years and mm. how they made it through those difficult times. And uh, I miss him when, when he was gone, he lived to '90.
0: Wow, so Brian, how does your story start out? I'll let you take it where you want to. I mean, we're going- going back to the 70s to start yeah. with. And there's been a lot of things that happened. I mean, I know with the band from reading up on it, somebody made a commitment to Christ. and <laughs> Yeah, it would be you, eh? And then the, ba- the band broke up. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You know, like Dave, I was going to say, um, um, my brothers never basically intimidated me at all. They're very, very intelligent at school. And I struggled a lot in school. It's not yeah. that, you know, my parents and all that said, I never had the ability. It's just in an academic world, I couldn't comprehend Things, but I'm visual, yeah. you know. What I mean, so all your main subject—math, English, and you know all the other stuff. But I excelled in history. Yes. <laughs> now, try and get that one because <laughs> of my dad. Right, I learned from him. Yes. So, anyways, I started off in music. I remember, like, like even before the Beatles, Jerry Lee Lewis and, you know, uh, Chuck Berry and all those. Well, I used to grab a broom handle as a young boy and the aerial on the TV when nobody's home and i pretend, right? Yeah. So I had a love at a very young age for uh, for music. And Mm -hmm. my grandmother... Very praying woman. She was a violinist in an orchestra in, I don't believe it was London. I believe it was, she was from Birmingham. But okay. she played in, in that. And then that violin later transferred also to my grandfather. And he played in the pubs all over England. So that's Uh-oh. where I get musical background is from my mom's side nice and a funny story he wanted to get in but when the first world war broke out so he was actually too old but he put shoe polish in his hair and he goes "Nat, Nat, we're not buying that so (laughs) So he continued playing in pubs but I eventually down through the years I inherited that violin and I have it as a keepsake yeah but I I found with music I I, I struggled so much in school academically Mm -hmm. but when history class was there I was sharp as a tack (laughs) Yeah. but I just found and my dad was always a great encourager and I probably sh- should have listened to him when I look back is, you know, gone to school and everything and music, but I had a good ear, you know, and I could tell notes and everything and I could pick up stuff, but I didn't learn the, the actual sheet music side of it a little bit till later on, actually when I left T's, Okay. And, yeah. So... Well, I started off playing in, in uh, you know, Saturday afternoon basement bands and stuff like that. And then eventually we got to play in, you know, high school dances and all of that. And it just seemed for me, Dave, whenever there was an opportunity, the band fell apart. If there was another opportunity, I always jumped at it. So I kind of went up the ranks that way. And when I got out of school, I started working in a music store and, you know, bringing it a little forward in that, I used to audition musicians when they'd come in to try out equipment mm-hmm. and the bars had lowered the age to 18 way back mm-hmm. I forget what year it was and I played the bars for about a year and a half didn't like it you know because I was more of a concert musician and you know I would look out there and most of the people were there to, for dates or picking up somebody Yeah, <laughs> you know at so I wanted to put a concert band together, and so I went rehearsing people, and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get people that I've been playing with, they're used to the bars, they're making good money. So I auditioned, actually, guys that were younger than me when they came in, and that's how T's formed, and we rehearsed for nine months, never played a gig, and then we figured it's time to go out now. We started writing our own music. We invited all the, you know, student uh, body presidents and that. And from the whole Windsor and County, and we come out, and we'd put on, a like, a 20 minute concert. Well, that night we booked so many high schools and that's how everything kind of happened with T's wow. Our name originally was Ontario, but then we found out we couldn't copyright the name Ontario. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so later on, it was our guitar player. Uh, he was reading a magazine and he, he saw the name Tease. And so it kind of all stuck with us. But our last concert that we did in Windsor, the band The Peters, yep. had just come through and they played in Windsor. And for some reason, their road manager showed up at Sandwich High School and it was packed right out. And back then, of course, I was really into early Floyd, you know, who was using lights when other bands were just like red, green, yellow, blue, that's it. You know, throw a couple trees on it. I was always memorized with the theatrics of the setting of Floyd. So we went and rented every light we could in Windsor. We got three follow spots on scaffolding. I mean, back then, <laughs> for a local band, you just didn't do that. Oh, but that's elaborate. But he was there. Yeah. And, yeah, and went. Uh, that's back in 1975. Wow. And so he was there. He came and talked to us in the dressing room. And when the Stampeders nat went back to Toronto, we talked to their manager, Mel Shaw. Mm-hmm. And then within a couple months, we were... Re- rehearsing we didn't even have enough material for an album he wanted us down to lagrange on the other side of toronto mm-hmm. we end up going in there we did one whole day session mm-hmm. and we we did everything live. very few overdubs i did some vocal overdubs that's about it They pressed it, they got the song, and all of a sudden it's being played on Chum Radio, and we got a lot of hits. And you know, when we got success in Japan, it was the first album, all the other studio elaborate albums, it was the first album that Japan liked that actually got us a a ticket to go to Japan.
0: Wow, (laughs) man.
1: You know, to bring it forward, Dave, I I love the playing. I love the guys in the band. But, you know, the lifestyle really had its toll on me. And before I left for Toronto, backing up, when I was working at the music store and the band was rehearsing and we were playing around... Five ex-convicts walked into the music store one day. I was there alone. They walked in, and Dave, there was something different about them, their dialogue, everything that they were talking about with one another. And I thought, I've never seen this kind of union among guys. And then I found out they're all ex-cons. One guy was from LA, and anyways, he had family up here, and he'd moved. His family had grown he was put in jail by the guy that was actually handling the Robert Kennedy assassination. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, all the guys spent time, two of them spent time in a federal penitentiaries down in uh, California, and the other guys spent time here, you know, in the, the prisons down in, in Canada. So mm. I would have never known they were ex-cons. Mm-hmm. So they were playing a, a gig that Friday. They came in Monday or Tuesday. They, I started talking to them and asking questions, you know, big mistake.
2: <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. started
1: sharing about the Lord and typical Jesus freak. I thought, you know, but I listened to them and one of them came back and said, Hey, we're, we're playing down in Aurelia. Would you like to go with us? I tried to make up any excuse I could to get out of it. Yep. They invited me down to this meeting that they were doing. I said, I'm too busy because we, we rehearsed like eight days a week and we never had a day off. Well, he invited me, and he says, "I'll call you tonight." So one of my band members said, "Look, it, there's no way we can practice this weekend." So I see the Lord's intervention in that. So Tom, one of the guys, called me again later. At, you know, when I was at home in my apartment, and you know, I I couldn't lie to him. I couldn't. So I just said, "Yeah, I'll go." And I got off the phone, smoking a joint, and I can't believe what I just said <laughs> said to him. So, anyways. That all happened, and these guys sang, and I'd never heard anything like that, gave their testimonies, and anyways, I was down there two nights, and you know, they didn't drill me, but any questions I had to ask about the gospel and anything, they seemed to have the answers, you know, right to Mm -hmm. the scripture and that. So the second night when they did an altar call, I couldn't resist and I went forward. I fell on the floor practically when I got up to the front and they all got off. That's how everything kind of started from them. So when we were moving to Toronto with our record company, because our our album took off, you know, I would always say in my testimony, you know, then you backslid. I said, well, I never backslid because I never grew as a Christian. I just received the Lord, right? And you know, David, all through those almost six years with Tease, in the successful years, I always would say this, was like oil and water in a pop bottle and you shake it and shake it and shake it and shake it. It doesn't matter if you shook it for a month and put it down, the oil's all going to come to the top. Yeah. And that was like my life, like go do these gigs. Mm -hmm. And I was not a partier or stuff like that. Like the guys would go out. I would go back to my hotel room and I'd put on gospel programming and Hunter Hunt Lee and stuff like this. And I never really like shared my faith. Well, you know, after touring... like big tours of our own. You know, we opened up for like Cheap Trick, Meatloaf, Kiss, yeah. Aerosmith, Bloyster, cult. I mean, Man. they're just people, but you know- No, they weren't. I, I they would, were my
0: favorite bands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Thank you me. know, and it just seemed the success was yep. going. And for me, I was on stage at Montreal Forum and it was jam-packed. We had three dates with Aerosmith mm. and we played London Gardens, which I think is tore down now. Yes. Maple Leaf Gardens. Mm -hmm. And then we did Montreal forum and we always viewed ourselves as a Windsor band wherever we went. But Mm -hmm. because of of living there now, after moving from Toronto, uh, Montreal kind of adopted us as their band, Uh. you know, from Montreal. So pack night, we just come out doing our fifth album and heartless world. I sang that. And uh, I'll tell you, Dave, it was, you know, in the flesh, it was electrifying back then they didn't have cell phones. They all had lighters and matches. That's right. And the place just lit up after we finished it. Well, we came back because they were chanting our name. They wouldn't let us go. We came back and did an encore. And that's when I had a a kind of what they call is, I don't know, an out-of-body experience. Wow. I was playing on stage. I was looking at the audience. It was and I haven't told this part of it in a long time. And all of a sudden, it's like in my mind, I, I wasn't missing a, a beat. I was playing my guitar. I was singing. It's like I was looking at myself from behind. I mean, it, it was so freaky looking at everybody. Mm-hmm. And then as clear as a bell without making this, I heard in the midst of everything, you like this, Brian, and, I, and I'm just I'm conversating in my head, and I'm not messing my vocals up. I'll give you all this and more mm. if you worship me. And I knew exactly whose voice it was. Yeah. Because I was a Christian, right? Yeah. So with that, everything just kind of fizzled out. And now I'm I'm very tense. I'm, I'm having to really watch how I'm playing bass and singing just to get through the song. Yeah. Well, they all wanted to go out in the limousine. They all wanted to, you know, go out with our management and the management from Aerosmith and Party. And I said, No, I can't. So I went back to the Lossy Hotel, brand new hotel. It was on the 14th floor. And I went in my room. And uh, Dave, I, I kind of went, uh, I, I, I don't know how to process this. Yeah. So you know what I did? I smoked the joint, and I thought that would bring me peace. And for a, a momentary time, I went up uh, over to the window, mm-hmm. and I was going to jump out the window. Yeah. Oh because I couldn't handle the trauma of this mentally. Plus I'm stoned, I thought that would relax me. And I went to open up the window, it was one of those side, it only opened up this much. So I said to myself, Brian, what are you doing? So I went back to walk uh, near the bed and I fell on the floor Yes. and I put a praying position and I, I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, look, it, I know you're reaching out to me. And I said, I, I can't live this double life anymore. And I was crying out to God and I didn't even know if he was listening. Mm-hmm. And I remember I said from smoking and everything, I had a hoarse voice. Yes. I could, I could hardly talk. And I said, God, if you're listening, I said would you do one favor for me? Would you just take this hoarseness right out of my voice? Before I could finish, Dave, mm. my voice was as clear as anything. man yeah. You know, for about 20 seconds or twenty-five, whatever. Then it went back mm. and I went, God, I'm gonna take that as from you. Yes. So that started the process. There was a lot of other things. Like I still had dates to finish and all this and I remember playing with Bloyster Cult we were at the uh, Montreal Forum again mm-hmm. and at the end they went off partying and I went to the very very top of the uh, arena and yep. I'm looking down and I never saw this because we always laughed after the show mm-hmm. and I see you know about 20-30 guys they're probably maintenance guys with their brooms or mops yep. they're all joined together and they're the chairs are gone and they're sweeping the floor well all this junk it was like guys who had been smoking up like you know bags Mm -hmm. wine bottles, beer bottles, and it just started piling up going towards the stage. And I'm sitting there and you know, like when I say the voice of the Lord, that impression, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said softly, you know, Brian, you're going to have to answer this. Wow. And it was another aha moment that freaked me out. So David, from that point on, I was really planning, well, how do I do this to the guys? What am I going to go to? You know, I might've been 30. forget. Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, I had some time to go home. And whenever I came home, not very often, I'd come to see my parents. Mm -hmm. And I'd always go out to the church of the guys that Led me to the Lord yeah. And I'd be in church And I remember Who's now my father-in-law Whenever I showed up you're had long hair Leather jacket You know jeans And Beatles style boots And everything He'd always say Before he preached Oh looks like Brian Danner there Why don't we turn around And a bunch of you go And I go Well I You know the lifestyle I was living <laughs> You know girls And the, I really yeah. didn't grow up drugs But I mean I always thought You know my last album I did I was three or four days Stoned on cocaine mm. All that I didn't have the heart To ever tell my mom mom and dad, cause I was raised good. And I went through my, teenage years i mean i never, never even like smoked uh anything mm-hmm. and or did any drugs and but that comes with the lifestyle dave yeah. and i kept thinking there's a way to do this and play the music and write and eventually it just got to me so i'll tell you this one part of it i came back from windsor we were playing in hamilton with cheap trick okay and it was a beautiful sunny day and one of the guys in the brethren that's what they called themselves they had a musical group the ex-convicts mm-hmm. they used to go around singing and give their testimonies one of them said me a daily read that I used to read all the time by Oswald Chambers. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't opened it up in a while. So I opened it up and it fell right on this page it said November 11th, what my obedience to Christ costs other people. So I read it just a daily reading mm-hmm. and it was like the ceiling moment that just said, Brian, whenever you make a decision, especially for Christ, it's always going to affect other people. Mm-hmm. It it always will either directly or indirectly. Yes. So that's when I realized if I'm going to make a break that same weekend, I'd never been back baptized so i went to the church and i asked who's now my wife lynn her, her dad and then to baptize me in the evening so i went and uh, got baptized that night and i knew david when i'd come up out of the water something had drastically changed in me yes so i went back did those dates and everything and i never felt comfortable doing them mm-hmm. then i came back to windsor and uh, never went back I just made the decision. Mm-hmm. I called my manager, my road manager, my record company, my booking agent, Donald K. Don, like I called them all. Mm-hmm. And my band members, they thought just, I needed a lemonade, you know, by the late, <laughs> you know, a few weeks. Yeah. and uh, no I was serious so I never went back wow. you know it was just I was tired of the lifestyle love mm-hmm. the music but my band members always felt at a crucial time that I deserted them that was okay. the part that cost other people yes so then uh, I ended up marrying the preacher's daughter and we went out and sang for a whole year I had my first daughter, Brianne, who's a tremendous artist writer she's got an album out
0: i i listened to one of her songs yesterday
1: oh is it peace yeah yeah through a friend of hers she got that, the, the song what you deserve which is the first song in the album mm-hmm. they played it one sunday and she got calls in so they kept playing that for over a month yes eventually it became a top song of the month like number one yep So blown away by, like, that's a syndicated program uh, all over the United States. Mm -hmm. WMUZ, the light, and they have good talk show. They play great music. Yes. But beginning of the year, they always have this contest, the top uh, 30 and the top 100. Mm -hmm. So at the end, brianne has got into the uh, first one, What You Deserve, got in the top 30. Wow. And her other song got into the top 100. That's for the whole year. So I'm just bragging on Brianna. uh,
0: (laughs) Hey, you're a dad, you're allowed to do that, actually, (laughs) you know. So that's kind of like sometimes in the interview process, mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is cover those three main areas. The last one being what God's doing in your life today. And that's part of it. I mean, your family, your daughter, and yeah. and the blessing. Well, part
1: I didn't, the part I didn't say, Dave, was that after I married Lynn, we've been traveling on the road, I mean, all over Canada, I mean, mm-hmm. churches, summer camp meetings, everything, just playing together and, and singing and giving our testimony. And I got hired at a local church and I thought, no, that's not for me. I'm made for the road. I want to mm-hmm. go out there. So uh, everything just kind of stopped, and my wife felt, you know what, Brian, it's time for us to put roots down and I think the Lord's opened this up. So I end up staying there. 33 full-time years. I wow. was a worship leader for 25 years. Then we got asked to do youth and yeah. I had up to 140 youth, which is a large youth group. Yeah. We ran for five years, my wife and I. And then the last three years, I just did ministry. And, and in that that whole 33 years I did, uh, when I was worship leader, I did 12 years of outreach concerts Yeah. and I played every penitentiary there is in mm-hmm. Ontario. We go twice a year. We go away for a week, and we do gospel shows and set up. We play rock and roll, and yep. you know, I just—I I was still the same guy, you know. Yeah. So when it was after that, I retired, and this is what happened. I was—I went down to two days a week, and I was part time. We, I had tried to get the band back together about 10 years ago because I did an album called Trader's Gate, a solo project with a friend of mine. And it was an album, it was supposed to be part of a trilogy. It was an album really designed to reach like the, the goths. So I was trying to put a, a tour together. So I came up with the idea. My wife and I said, Just, why don't you ask if T's want to be your band to play it? And then to top the night off, you know, you'll do, you know, six or seven cuts that you'd approve of with Ts Well, two of them wanted, the other two didn't want to do it. So I just let it go. Yeah. So there was an opportunity three and a half years ago, uh, there was an interest in Japan where we got a gold album and all the success over there mm-hmm. for us to go back. Well, then the band started getting interest and they approached me and I said, you know what? Nah, I'm not interested. I don't want to relive the glory days of the band and all that yeah. I tried to do it in a way, Dave, that I didn't insult them in that. So anyways, the guy who was trying to organize it, he texted me one night, three o'clock in the morning. I told him, you know, my whole faith and everything. And I just said, I I don't see how it could work. And he said, well, what about if you have an opportunity to share your faith? And I thought, I don't see how that would work. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, how do you make that fit in a secular realm without being religious, you know? And anyways, he said, you know, Brian, whatever you want to do with that, I don't have a problem with it. So then I went to my pastor the next day, I showed him the email and he said, Brian, a door's closing here. Your door is opening. So I went to my wife. She said, Brian, you know, all these years you were at the church, your band members never came once Mm -hmm. to visit you at the church or anything. I I feel at peace about it. So anyways, I met at a restaurant with all three original band members with me. We talked about their ideas and I said, look it, I'm just gonna tell you right up front, I'm gonna look at the repertoire and there's stuff that's neither bad nor good, it's just a song, right? And I Mm. get that and I said, I understand that. And I said, look it, there's songs even that I wrote, I'm not even gonna go there. You know, and they were fine with that. So we started looking at the repertoire and I said, you know what, I, I want to tweak some of the songs. And they said, we don't have a problem with that. So now it's more like this is the way we were and yep. we aren't. I don't know, Dave, if you got to see anything, Our reunion concert we did in 2019. I want
0: could... to, I have not been able to, uh, if you would help me find that, that'd be awesome. Yeah,
1: just just type in Tease Live 2019. Yep. At this point, I said, guys, look, I am not interested in, and all of doing what we used to do, in that. and that what I want is a clean rock and roll show that you could bring the whole family to. Yes, I said because I viewed a lot of the bands that I even used to follow. You know, it's just a lot of lewdness and a lot mm-hmm. of f-bombing and all. And I said I can't believe this is what people want. I said I don't want none of that. So at rehearsal, every now and then, if if the guys maybe once or twice in the whole practice yep. the beginning. If they slip, they go. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. So I usually ask for something you would like to share—a scripture or something you would say to the <laughs> listeners today as your final thought.
1: Yep. I think the biggest, one of the biggest scriptures I've really, really held on to is Psalm 34:4. For I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. Mm-hmm. I think fear, Dave, as a young boy, you know, fear of nuclear war, you know, fear of tragedy, fear of all that, mm-hmm. has always been my thing that i always come back to so i forget who said it you know when you do something do it afraid and then the Mm -hmm. strength (laughs) comes yes i I know when i got teased back together i didn't know if i get a lot of backlash and a lot of criticism i did get a a few emails but you know because i felt the lord was in it now dave it's like i want to be an example and a witness to these guys so the whole reason i'm with the band right now yeah we get to play music you know is to to hook up with them in this Part of my life, we're all older. I turned seventy at the end of the month.
2: Man, you look we're good, bro.
1: <laughs> well, keep a young mind. That'll do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, my youngest is
2: 22. Oh, amazing! Yeah,
1: Dave, I'm enjoying life, and even COVID's been difficult. But Mm -hmm. if it hadn't been the faith in our home and just trusting the Lord through all of this, so I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, you know, who knows? God does. I just started back rehearsing with the T's again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah,
0: wonderful, (laughs) Brian. I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today, and I'm looking forward to speaking more with you. Yeah, Um,
1: love to, Dave.
0: Thanks so much, Brian, for being with us today. Just love you, man, and we're connected. We're connected, we're connected yeah. in the family of Christ, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're brothers, so God bless you, man.
3: Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. You're a living sin. You're the hollow queen in a one-act play. And you've given up even though you can't say why. So your hero died back in 16.
0: and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.